You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. All of us have issues with anger control. Given the, given the, the right ignition source. You know, sometimes if people blow up at us, man, it hurts, doesn't it? How does it feel to be on the end of someone's loss of self-control? How does it feel when you have lost control and you try to pick up the pieces later on? Oftentimes I hear people say something like this, well, it's their fault. If you really follow what Jesus says, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He tells people that they have violated the Ten Commandments and they go, how, 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 we, we haven't done that one. We didn't do that one, Jesus. And then Jesus says, oh, you did it in your heart, therefore you. He even says you can commit murder in your heart. Wow. Now, now you won't go to prison for that, committing murder in your heart, but you can imprison yourself. See, all people are our ignition sources to the dynamite or the powder keg that's in your heart. Uh, we've been talking about pathways to growth. And we've been declaring that if we want to grow stronger, we have to follow the Holy Spirit. We have to keep in step with the Spirit. Today I want to talk about uh, getting yourself uh, under control or get control of yourself. Now I'm looking at the, the clock and I said to the parents that time flies and time has flown. So I'm going to go really fast, talk really fast. Your pens are going to write really fast. You're going to fill in the blanks on your, uh, on your note sheets, and we're going to get rocking this morning. Because the secret to self-control is Christ control. We're not talking about self-improvement. Of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance, or meekness and self-control cannot be produced by the flesh. They're not called fruit of the flesh. They're called fruit of the... Come on. Uh, self-control is the ability to restrain your spirit. You may have justification of why you want to punch somebody in the nose. Or somebody used this phrase the other day. I've never used this phrase. I've hardly heard this phrase, but I heard the other day. I want to punch you in the throat. You've never said that, right? Well, let me read you a couple of scriptures, and then I need you to read with me, because we're going to have a bunch on the screen this morning. 2 Peter 2, 3 through 8 says, God's divine power, his, his power from on high, has given us everything we need for what kind of life? A godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us very great and precious promises that come from him, so that through them you may participate in the what? In the, in the, in the what? In the divine nature. So we can take off the, the, the fleshly nature and the sinful nature and the human nature. You ever had people say that? That's just human nature. But we can actually live and participate in God's divine nature, filling us and changing us because we've escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to your goodness knowledge and to knowledge self, 
self-control. And the self-control, isn't it interesting? He saved this one for the end. And the self-control, perseverance. In other words, don't give up short. In other words, don't explode too soon. And better yet, don't explode at all. Okay. Now, still ticking. All right. And then... Uh, to perseverance, add godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and mutual affection, and love. For if you possess these qualities in what kind of measure? See, that, that's our pathway to growth. We've got to keep growing in these things. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you can't get to know Christ deeper if these attributes aren't a part of your life, because they will push the truth of Christ away from you. But the other thing, when he says the word uh, unproductive or ineffective, he's talking about your witness. You lose credibility in your witness when you lose self-control. Let me say it again. You lose credibility in your preaching and declaring the gospel to other people when you fly off the handle, and then you say, well, I didn't mean that. Yeah, you did. Out of the abundance of the heart. Come on. Yeah, the mouth speaks. Absolutely. All right. Moving on now to Galatians 5. Verse 19, people's desires make them give in to immoral ways. Filthy thoughts. You wouldn't even understand this, right? This is 1045 service people, right? And shameful deeds. They worship idols, practice witchcraft, hate others. They are hard to get along with. People become jealous, angry, and selfish. They not only argue and cause trouble, but they are envious. I wish I had that. How come they get that? Must be nice to be them. Huh? It's horrible to be me. Come on. They get drunk. They carry on at wild parties. None of you here. And do other evil things as well. I told you before, and I'm telling you again, no one who does these things will share the blessings of God's kingdom. He's not just talking about heaven. He's talking about today. God's Spirit makes us loving, happy, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and... And, yeah, and there's no law against behaving in these ways. In other words, you can love as much as you want. There's no limitation. You can be as kind as you want. You can be as self-controlled as you want. And God's not going to say, oh, you better stop it. You're being too good. (laughs) The Lord won't ever say that. He adds at the end, but God's spirit has given us life. And so we should follow his spirit. John Maxwell said the first victory that successful people ever achieve or win is the victory over themselves. So what is self-control? Well, let me give you a quick definition. Self-control simply means to get a hold of or to get victory over. It's grabbing something and pulling it out. We've been talking about the pathways to growth. We've been talking about how weeds can infest the garden of our soul and choke out Love, joy, peace, uh, patience, you know, being gentle we talked about last week. Boy, did I get a lot of good emails about last week talking about gentleness. So go back online and find that through our live stream and, and watch that message if you weren't here. It was, it was great being gentle, learning how to be gentle. And after I preached it, I said, oh, Lord, I got a feeling about this week. There's going to be opportunities for me not to be gentle, and they hit you know, when did they hit? Sunday afternoon was the first one. So these sermons come back to haunt me, right? But we get victory over something. H.B. Uh, London said, what we do 
upon some great occasion will probably depend upon what we already are, and what we are will be the result of previous years of self-discipline or lack thereof. Uh, There's a statement, and some of you may have heard this before, uh, in the law enforcement community that says, we don't rise to the occasion, we sink to the level of our training. Baseball teams, oh, they rise to the occasion. No, 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 they they, they sink to the level of how many times they've hit the ball, how many times they've caught the ball, all their fundamentals come out. And when stuff hits the fan, who you have been will be discovered in the pressure cooker, in the garlic press. You know, you put that little garlic in and go, huh? That's life. And that's when you discover who, who you really are. That's why Psalm 26, 2, and you're gonna read this with your best uh, 10, 13 voice. Here we go. Test me, Lord, and examine my heart. Yeah. Lord, I invite a search. I want you to come and look deep in my soul. I just don't want your presence so I can feel good. I just don't want your blessings, God. I want you to examine my heart and my mind. Now, now people with self-control, are you ready for this? This is a mini-seminar here. Get ready. People with self-control master their moods. Well, I'm having a mood swing. Welcome to humanity. Huh? Well, I just don't feel like working today. What do you do? You get up and go to work. I don't feel like going to school today. Any students ever have that? Come on. Monday morning, you had a nice weekend. School? School? You know? I talked to some students. It was Monday. I said, hey, what are you guys doing? Can't wait till Friday. There's a lot of days in between, sweetheart. Huh? Master your moods. Remember the little trains, right? We have fact is the locomotive. We have faith is the fuel car. And we have feeling that goes on the end. That's the caboose. Woo, it just goes on the end, right? If you reverse those, you're in trouble. If feelings run your life, if moods run your life, you are doomed. You are shipwrecked. So one of them is we master our moods. Uh, Proverbs 25, 28. Let's read this. A man, come on. Self-control is like a... Yeah. You see, when Solomon was writing this, a city was only as strong as the walls around it that fortified the city. It it kept the bad people out. And so if you lose self-control, you're like a city with no walls. In other words, you're subject to every kind of thought, and you're actually subject to the enemy himself. The devil can plant seeds in your heart because there's, there's no buffer, there's no filter, there's, there's, there's no walls. So make sure that your walls are strong. People with self-control, watch their words. Okay. They put their minds in gear before they open their mouths. Think before, think before, think before. Uh, I've said this a million times. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to save you five years of pain if you listen to what I'm about to say. The next time you're about to send off one of those emails or write one of those letters, send the email to yourself, mail the letter to yourself, snail mail, and in three or four days after you've prayed about it and you open that thing, see if you still would send it. Because a lot of times we say things or we, we text with our thumbs, right? Send, it's reactionary, it's, 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 it's knee-jerk. And, and we wish we could take those things back. So be careful, Proverbs 13, 3, let's read this. Be careful what you say and a careless destroys. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Be careful. By the way, remember this. 
If somebody listens to your gossip, that means they're gossiping about you. Hello? Good morning. Now, my friend can keep a confidence. Oh, really? They're listening to you break your confidence about someone else. So be careful. People with self, it's quiet in here. People with self-control restrain their what? Their actions. Yeah. Proverbs 19.11. Let's read it. If you are sensible, you will. When someone wrongs you. Oh, to ignore it. Yeah, but I'm going to pay him back. I'm going to. Huh? I'm going to pray a prayer. Oh, Lord, may the bird of paradise poop on their parade. Come on. Come on. People with self-control make the most of God-given opportunities. If you don't determine how you will spend your time, someone else will. Uh, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise people do, but as what? Making, come on, the most of, because the days are... Hmm. We all have 24 hours a day. How do we make the most of those 24? Uh, the next thing is people that are, are self-controlled, I know this is going to be painful, manage their money. Yeah. Every time I talk about budget, somebody sends me an email. Really? Pastor B, quit talking about budgets because my, my husband's going to put me on one and I don't want that, you know? <laughs> But it's, only, it's not only for women. Uh, there's a guy in our church. I mean, I've been trying to work with him for years. He loves to just wander at Home Depot. Doesn't need anything. He just wanders. Loves to wander at Costco or Costmore. It doesn't, uh, seriously. You know why it costs more? Because you only went in for this much and you came out, come on, Costmore. They're, they're smart there. And so this guy, true story, has more power tools than anybody I know. He has every kind of circular saw, every kind of drill, impact driver. He has a compressor. And by the way, compressors are cool because you can do nail guns with them. You can do little, little, little tools, take off your wheels, and polish them. Come on. So I asked his wife, what does he do? Nothing. He just has a collection of power tools. Well, what's he doing in the garage? He shines the power tools. Huh? He has no control over his money. And if you are self-controlled, you will have control of your money. Let me just give you three little words that will help you. Give, save, live on the rest. Some of you remember that from a series previously. Give to God, give, save, and live on the rest. Yeah. John D. Rockefeller, the Rockefeller financial empire. Here's what he did. 10% to God, 10% to the bank, savings, and he lived on 80% of his income. 10, 10, 80. Works great. Give, save, live on the rest. Yeah, my, my son and daughter-in-law have been teaching our grandkids that since they were just real little. They have three little jars, give, save, live on the rest. Isn't that cool? Yeah, this church, by the way, believes in give, save, live on the rest. Uh, we give away about 35% of our income to community and to missions, and then we save for the future, and we live on the rest. Pretty cool. Yeah. Hello? You know, when we did this expansion, we asked people to give, but we almost had enough money just to pay for that. Yeah, give, save, live on the rest. You're in a debt-free church. That's pretty cool. We don't rent anything. We don't lease anything. We don't borrow any. What we have is ours, and we're grateful for it. 
So we're trying to teach you to do the same thing. Master your finances. And by the way, as we said, time flies. Before you know it, you'll be older than you are today. I talked to a 70-year-old man who has saved zero for the future of his life. He's not a guy that invested and then the market crashed. He did not invest. Didn't buy a house. He doesn't have any dirt. I mean, because God's not making more dirt, you know. And he doesn't have anything. He has no equity. He has zero. He's 70 years old. And here's what he told me. He goes, my back is really hurting because I've been working hard labor since I was 14. I'm starting to feel it. I go, you're 70 and you're starting to feel it. You know, I've been feeling it a long time, right? Hey, Proverbs 21, 20 says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. Let's just eat all the seed. Let's not save for tomorrow. People with self-control maintain their health. This is hard. I wrestle. Come on, you wrestle anybody else? Well, the pastor won't talk about hard stuff. Yes, I will. 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 says, learn to appreciate and give dignity to your body. The Message Bible. I love that. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to eat healthy. We have to exercise. I've been doing that of late. Feel a lot better. Cut out sugar and processed foods. Hello, hello, hello. Come on, Ray. Give me an amen over here. Yeah. And by the way, nacho cheese is not real cheese. I just thought I'd tell you that. All right. I saw a guy at the baseball game the other day, J.M. Park nacho cheese come out. He says, I love this cheese. Then I went and read the can. All right. Live in self-control lives. Number one, real quick, accept responsibility. Hmm. D.L. Moody was a great preacher and evangelist of the last century. And he was asked, of all the people you've come in contact with, the millions of people you've come in contact with, Who gives you the most trouble? And D.L. Moody said, I have the most trouble with myself. So accept responsibility. Galatians 6.5 says, Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Be responsible for who you are. So look at yourself right now. (laughs) Well, you can't, but when you get home, look at yourself in the mirror. And I want to tell you, you didn't get here by accident. We are today what we decided yesterday, and we will be tomorrow what we decide today. I I read a report that a psychologist went and interviewed 600 prison inmates. He visited them, talked on the phone, looked through the glass, and here's what he found out. Not one of them was guilty. He said, the the most innocent people on the planet... (laughs) The most innocent people on God's great earth are people in prison because it's somebody else did. Well, I was there, but I didn't do it. Somebody else spilled the milk. Somebody else pulled the trigger. Somebody, somebody, it's, always, it's always somebody else. Remember, we say this a lot around here. Don't allow your past trauma to become your present day drama. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15.34. Come back to your senses. Let's read this one. As you ought, and stop, for there are some who are ignorant of God. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, if we say that we've not sinned, we're fooling ourselves, and the truth isn't in our hearts. But if we, come on, yeah, our sins to God, he can be trusted to forgive us and take away our sins. So we've got to kill the spirit of the victim. Let me just kill it. 
Well, my parents, yeah, okay. But if, if you're over 15, give it up, parents. You know, if you're over 25, stop blaming them. Well, the coach, the teacher, come on. We just have to go, Lord, I, I don't want to live in a spirit of being victimized. I want to live in a spirit of being victorious over the things in my life. We, we, we can always turn, look around, and find somebody to blame, but we, we can't. Now, I'm going to say this to you quickly. If you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, then really you don't have a pathway. Forget growth. You don't have a pathway to God. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God, the Father, except through him. And I want to encourage you in just a few moments as we finish this message to consider giving your life to Jesus, even for the first time. Say, Lord, I believe in you. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose again. I need your help to live this life. I want to live a life that, that's pleasing to you. And I recognize that, that, that I'm a sinner. Now, if you think you're not that bad, uh, let, let, let's go have coffee this week, and we'll talk about your life. Yeah. Because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This isn't beating you up. It's just reality. By the way, if your life isn't so bad, why did Jesus have to come die for you? He took on himself the sins and the iniquities of us all. And that leads me to, to this point. Be responsible for what you can do. Some of you can't do what I do, and I can't do what some of you can do. See, God's not going to judge you based on the hand that you were dealt. God's going to judge you based on how you dealt with the hand that you were dealt. We all have stuff. We all have issues, and some of us have limps, and some of us have emotional limps, and some of us have mental limps. I mean, come on, we're not all born perfect, and we're not all perfect. And some of us have kids that have challenges, and, and the list goes on. But how do we respond to those things? And the next one is be responsible for what you have received. God has given us so much. Each of us, 1 Peter 4.10, should use whatever gift we have received to serve others as faithful, what's the word? Stewards of God's grace in various forms. And number two, we have to welcome accountability. This is so much fun. Welcome accountability. Why? Because an unexamined life is not worth living. Jesus taught about partnership. When he sent his disciples out, he sent them out by two. Proverbs 27, 17. I know you know this verse. Let's read it. As iron, so a friend. Yeah. You ever sharpen a knife? You got one of those long things in the kitchen, you look really official or... Out of the, you know, getting ready to cut some tri-tip or chicken, you, you look really good at doing it, you know. Uh, imagine if the knife could speak. A grinding wheel, a, a stone with oil put on it as it's worked. Here's, here's what the knife would say. Ouch! You're actually removing material from the metal to sharpen it. You don't think that hurts? And, and here's what I know, where there is... Motion, there is friction, and where there's friction, there is heat. This knife is hot. Ow, it's hot. Ow, you're hurting me. See, if you're a good friend, you're going to hurt your friends. You are. Now, if your friends aren't sharpening you, they're not friends. They're just social acquaintances. There's a difference. Well, I, I go out with some of my friends. We go out and we have pancakes together, or we go out wine tasting, or we go, yeah, no, no, they're acquaintances. They're social gatherers. They're like lights and little moths that come. And that's okay. You need those people in your life. But real friends, folks, real friends, biblical, are going to sharpen you. 
And they're going to say things to you at times you don't want to hear. Hey, 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 you're sloughing off in your devotions. Hey, hey, do you hear how you talk to your wife? <gasps> Ooh, you hear what you said to your husband? <gasps> Ooh, you hear what you said to your parents? Ooh, you shouldn't talk at your mom. She carried you. <laughs> She's still carrying you. <laughs> come on, come on. Hey, John Wesley, many of you heard of John Wesley. His weekly Bible class, here's what he asked his friends. Think about this. What known sins have you committed since we last met? If there is such, what shall we do about it? What temptations have you faced? How were you delivered from these temptations? What have you thought, said, or done of which you are uncertain whether or not it's a sin? Hey, by the way, the next time you go to a party, great icebreaker game. All right, get in circles of three, everybody, you know. Be with people that have the same color blouse or top shirt that you have, right? Okay, all the blues are getting first thing. Okay, let's ask the question. What known sins have we committed? I mean, really? Who's going to want that? But could you imagine if you had a friend that you trusted and that you were vulnerable with that could hold you accountable to these things? Number three, grow in integrity. They did a survey of over 1,300 senior executives in America and asked, what is the most important characteristic of a person that you would want to hire? 78% number one answer was integrity and character. Integrity and character. Many of them said, you know, if someone has great ability but they don't have great integrity, we would rather have great integrity. We can train ability. But you can't teach and train character when people don't have it. How often do we ask young people and, and parents who dedicated your kid, what do you want what do, what, what do, do when you grow up? Have you ever asked that? Here's a, here's a better question. That's a career question. Here's a better question. It's a character question. What do you want to be as a person when you grow up? What kind of morals and values do you want to hold dear in your heart when you're older? Just, just think about that. Parents, grandparents, ask Ask your kids or grandkids, hey, how do you want your life to be when you get older? Well, I want, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a fireman. No, 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 no. That's what you're going to do. What are you going to be? What's your being going to be like? What kind of friend are you going to be to your friends? What kind of person are you going to be towards God? That's why I believe we have to redeem a generation before we rescue adults. We have to, have to spend time making sure that young people know about Christ and his life, rather than trying to rescue them when they get older. And the last thing I want to say before we pray is from 2 Timothy 1.7, for the Spirit of God has given us, it doesn't make us timid. Instead, his Spirit, the one he gives us, fills us with power and love and self-control. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.